Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Welcome to episode 225 of Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, today we are talking with Jason Conover. He's the editor of a new graphic novel project, uh, which you should absolutely go check out on Kickstarter. Uh, it's called Masked Prejudice, uh, and it's an anthology uh, of basically superheroes of all types. Uh, you know, ones that we're not used to seeing in mainstream comics, basically. Um, I will do, I will let Jason do a, a much, much better job of explaining it, uh, in the interview, uh, which we'll get to in one second. Uh, but before we get there, let's, uh, do a couple of announcements. On April 12th, come on out to the Northshire Bookstore in Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, I'm going to be speaking with comic creator Matt Lesniewski, uh, about his new graphic novel, The Freak. Um, it's really, I haven't read it yet, but I will absolutely read it before the event. Um, uh, just from looking at the, uh, Matt's art style, um, it, it's good. He's got a really unique art style and I can't wait to ask him about it. Um, so come on out. It's going to be a really fun event. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, like a live podcast, basically. I'll record it and we'll, uh, you know, we'll get it out, uh, you know, in the normal podcasting, uh, ether. Uh, but, uh, it's always fun when you're there live. Uh, so come on out to that one. Uh, also, after that, on April 27th and 28th, uh, come on out to the Saratoga Comic Con, again, in Saratoga, New York. We are just killing it in Saratoga in the month of April, seriously. Uh, great town, uh, great city, great con, and great bookstore. Uh, so please, come on out uh, both to the bookstore event and the Saratoga Comic Con. Uh, that's on uh, April 27th and 28th at the Saratoga City Center. Um, they got some great guests, uh, you know, Power Rangers. We've got, uh, horror guests. We have guests from, uh, uh, cosplay. Uh, it, it, as always, it's going to be a really fun event. So please come on out to the Saratoga Comic Con. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, let's get to, uh, the main event, uh, today for this weekend. Uh, this is a non Saratoga based event. This was, uh, uh, mainly recorded in my living room. So. Uh, you know, it's it's not quite as as fancy as a Saratoga event. Uh, there's way, way, way less horses uh, in my living room than there is at the uh, you know the Saratoga area in general. But we, yeah, we are talking with Jason Conover about Masked Prejudice, which you should absolutely go check out on Kickstarter. Um, let's help him get this project off the ground. Uh, here we go. Transmissions from the Evil Lake. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Seamart, and of course, that means this is transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, tonight, I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, joining me here in the Evil Lair is Jason Conover. Uh, he is the owner of Oxford Comics, uh, and he's also the uh, comic book editor of a new project that's on Kickstarter right now, uh, Masked Prejudice, uh, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. That, that was an awkward in, uh, intro. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's been like a couple of days since I've done an interview, a couple of weeks actually since I've done an interview, so... so, so. <laughs> no worries there. Uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us about the project. So, uh, it is a narrative graphic novel. Um, we have a bunch of different stories told from a bunch of different creators that kind of, uh, they all deal with marginalized people, whether they're LGBT or from various uh, um, cultural backgrounds. And uh, we, we tell a story through each individual story that kind of leads up into this climactic moment. Um, it's the, we, we kind of built a universe. We took about a year, a few of my writers and I just talking ideas out and then coming to a consensus about what we wanted to do. And we started develop, developing this universe, um, that is based around the fact that there is a 
politically aggressive president who has outlawed vigilantes and um, uh, forced all supers to um, enlist in either the army or intelligence agencies. And, of course, some people don't want to do that. And so they go into hiding or start fighting back. And um, most of the world, after these laws have passed, um, have kind of used it as a reason to show prejudice towards anybody with superpowers. Okay. All right. So yeah, like it, um, kind of like a different take on uh, on like the Civil War type of thing. Instead of like, you know, superheroes fighting over which superhero they want to follow, it's you know, no, we're fighting for our right to be free, basically, to not be forced into, you know, a, a militaristic type of. Uh, uh, lifestyle exactly yeah our our world is while that we've had superheroes it's not as set up as the marvel universe so there isn't that those factions that that split in the civil war yeah um series and so we we kind of see that they they're kind of easy targets and they become the marginalized community themselves um what was uh what was the you know the most challenging part about you know they say there's i've Excuse me if I forget how many you said you know, artists and stuff you had working on it, um, mm-hmm. but you know, threading all these different stories together and intertwining everything. What was the you know like the hardest part about creating that shared universe? Was it just kind of getting everybody on the same page and uh, you know things like that, like continuity references and stuff like that? Yeah, it. Um, to be honest, it the the way I worked it was everybody is very separate. Um, they know the general idea of people's stories, but um, I worked hard to just kind of thread those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, the probably hardest thing to do was to uh, tell my writers, hey, I know you have this vision, but we also need to do this too. So throwing those little like um, allusions to other things in the universe um, was not difficult but um was i had to be very detail oriented yeah Uh, it's got to be organic too to work it in it can't just be like oh and by the way you know this other thing is going on exactly and um it was surprising because i i just surprised myself we we um, got to everybody's stories were told uh, more or less and i can't i was racking my brain for the ending story i was like i don't i have no idea how we're gonna do this so a few of us just uh, i think there were four of my writers uh brainstormed one day and it just was so clear what we we had to do because we had all of this built up already that things that i didn't even think about were important in one story were connecting into somebody else's story and it, it was it was a exciting thing to see happen of just everybody's um ideas coming together yeah i was gonna say i'm sure once kind of everybody started yeah you said coming together there's you do notice those opportunities like oh this amplifies this other thing you know this you know everything kind of does you know as difficult as it can be to kind of intertwine everything there are others natural opportunities that do yeah yeah and the the best part was um once we had that final story done I could go back and say, oh, you know what? It'd be even cooler if we pull plugged this thing in here and uh, hinted at this little detail over here. And the best part is we um, it's a very serious topic and we, we deal with some very dark human moments throughout. But I myself am I, I like dark comedy. And so the 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 best parts for me was, throwing in these little jokes that we see pop in that really might not even be seen by most readers, um, but they make us laugh. And uh-huh. so these recurring little jokes that we, we filtered in throughout. Oh, yeah, the jokes that not everybody's going to get, but the right people are going to get them, and they're exactly. really going to get them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I... Um kind of I, I, that's kind of like a hot topic today is you know these like marginalized you know marginal that just sounded really weird the way i said that these marginalized communities yes but i, I didn't mean that way excuse me um but like I, you know with a lot of fanboys just kind of getting into a rage over um you know changes you know modernizing old characters you know like you know the perfect example female thor or right. you know, miles morales like I mean, I can understand that, uh, you know, 
people not being open to change. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that thing isn't going to change. Like the thing you like is still going to be there. Somebody's always going to be telling, you know, Peter Parker's story. That's an established, you know, just from a business standpoint, that's an established property. It's always going to make money, you know. Yeah. But there is room for a different version of that. You don't have to subscribe to that. You know, that is, you know, might, that might not be for you, but it might be absolutely for somebody else. And yeah. I, I just, I, I still like don't understand that rage that just kind of is still like, you know, how many we've been, you know, I want to say we've been dealing with this for so long, but it's been. It's been forever that we've been dealing with it. Yeah. It, um, when you brought up um, the female Thor, I, I got my start um, working at uh, Midtown Comics. Oh, nice. Uh, this summer, I think it was this, or no, the, the fall that the first issue came out. And, um, zero for fanboy rage basically. yeah it, it 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 amazed me at how angry people were because thor was still in the book he was still there yeah and yeah he's not holding the hammer but it doesn't stop him from being thor and the the thing that blew my mind the most was you're pissed off because a woman is holding his hammer and is being called thor yet Beta Ray Bill in the 80s was an alien horseman. You're cool with the horseman. Yeah. And nobody was upset about it. But the, the minute a woman touches it, we've yeah. got a problem. It was a frog at one point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That yeah. was all cool. But yeah, the second a woman touches it. <laughs> yeah. There, I remember distinctly there were two, uh, two men came into the, the store one night. And it was shortly after um, they had um, Bobby Drake come out. Um, oh, okay. And I remember them just going on this PC discussion of even though they've got nothing against it, they just don't understand why they couldn't create a new character to be gay rather than have one of their old favorites be gay when he was never gay first off they've been hinting at it for years if you really paid attention yeah. he was very successful with women and there were a lot of flirting with men um but second of all that aside creating a new character doesn't always succeed um there there's the other the the young x-men uh i think it's a knoll um he's never taken off they tried yeah they, they, making a gay x-men it didn't work um but what i i if i didn't have to play the the role of the retail employee and hold my tongue i would have said it's like i would have gone off to say as a gay person it's nice having one of the original x-men one of the most prolific metaphors for people in our culture uh who have been marginalized um, to be a gay man. And X-Men doesn't always do the best job with it. They try, but yeah. <laughs> beginning, it's a bunch of white people. So no matter what, aside from Beast and maybe Angel, they could all get away with just being white people and not hated. Whereas many other people can't take off a mask and stop being hated, which is kind of what we wanted to do with this anthology was tell those stories of people who, even though they might be superheroes, they still dealt with hate to begin with. Now it's just added on because now the country is starting to turn on them for this as well. Yeah, even with this perceived advantage, you know, as far as superpowers, they're still fighting this other fight, you know, without superpowers, basically. It's still just a normal person dealing with this, you know, the same crap that everybody, you know, else has to deal with. Exactly. Um, what? Uh, sorry, I forget where I was going with that one. Damn, I'm uh, I'm all over the place. <laughs> no worries. Um, what kind of um, what kind of sparked this project? What, you know, was it something maybe you that you had brewing, or was it something somebody brought to you? Um, it was a bunch of things. Um, so the way it started was for me a frustration. Um, I had been working at the comic book store for about three years. And I had for two of those years, I was getting my master's in publishing. Um, 
I wanted to work in comic book publishing. I had interned at uh, Valiant Entertainment um, for about 10 months during that time as well. And despite my education and work uh, history, I was not getting a job. Um, it, it's a that frustration. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard thing to get into the comic book industry without doing your own thing. And um, so a few a few of us at the store were always big fans, always wanting to write. Um, one of the original guys involved was an artist and wanted to kind of expand his writing portfolio. So we just were like, you know what, instead of just talking about hoping to get a job for me and just to get experience why don't we just make it happen yeah i'm talking about let's just do it yeah yeah exactly um so we just got together threw out a couple of ideas i kind of told everybody hey just come with three different superheroes that you think would be interesting to tell their stories um let's see how they work together and um without anybody saying anything everybody every character that they brought was uh lgbt and so it just jokingly became our our little gay book Uh, and i realized that we were all telling the story because we were all wanting to tell our different stories uh and we weren't seeing that in our comic books we were um the, the original group of writers were all um guys from midtown comics um so we were just tired of not reading the comic books that we wanted to read. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, I, I can only imagine what it. I mean, working. You know, my wife uh, worked at a comic shop uh, here in Albany, Earthworld Comics, best damn uh-huh. comic shop uh, in Albany. Um, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I know just you know stories of you know customers coming in and you know just weirdness. I oh, yeah. can only imagine <laughs> what it is like at Midtown Comics. And I'm saying this as somebody who's been in that store completely inebriated at, like, you know, midnight, on, you know, like a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, it's, it, it's a hard thing to, to, to talk about with, because everybody has that comic book store story of, the weirdest customer to come in. Um, nerds aren't always the best at socializing and don't know the uh, the proper way to do so. Yeah, yeah. When you throw it into Times Square and you're open until midnight, then you get a certain level of insanity that's really particular. <laughs> Just next level insanity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, It... It was fun. Um, I will say that I am glad to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. it's got to be one of those things like it's worth it for the stories. Like, and I'm assuming for the discount you had probably. When you oh were yes, absolutely. I uh, I have that same relationship with uh, the movie theater. Like, I when I was younger in my younger days, I worked at a theater. You know, as an usher, uh, you know, a ticket person. You know, just taking tickets to the door. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I mean. I got a lot of great stories, made a lot of great friends. Thinking about it now, like, holy crap, that's a job I would never, ever, ever, ever want to do again. Yeah. Um, I actually, shout out to them as we're recording this. They're, they've got the Detective 1000 coming out tonight. Oh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing that on they're Facebook. They're doing the midnight release. So most of my old friends who are working tonight aren't going to be done until two in the morning. Most likely. Oh man. Yeah. I don't miss those days. I do not. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, absolutely the same thing. Like just coming home. Okay. Like tonight I broke up two fist fights, uh, you know, mopped up three, you know, vomit spells. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I don't miss that at all. We, we had a guy who was, um, we found out after the fact he had been getting high in the, the restaurant bathroom next door to us, <laughs> came into our store to try and steal some stuff, and then in the pursuit of trying to catch, uh, catch him um, and keep him for the, the cops to come, he jumped out of our second story window. <laughs> Holy crap. Broke through a giant plate glass window and fell to the to the street below. 
<laughs> yeah. Still probably not the weirdest thing that's ever happened, you know, in the store. It's definitely up there, but yeah, yeah no. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, how did, um, you know, did that kind of experience, did seeing, you know, just because Midtown is not your typical comic store, uh, I'm sure right. you get an even wider variety of people that come in, you know, mm-hmm. that store, and, you know, not just, not just the stereotypical, like, you know, fanboy, um, you know, did that kind of um, experience kind of, you know, influence your, your work on this project at all? Or? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there definitely weren't, uh, there were always the, the uh, <coughs> excuse me, the nerds uh, that you expect. But uh, being in New York, there were a lot of just inspiring creative people that came in. Um, you oh, got- I can imagine just like, the people who would drop in like, oh my God, that's, you know, so-and-so. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there was a good long while where once a week, at least, Frank Miller was stopping by. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because um, I think he lives like a couple blocks away from the store, so he would frequent. Um, but, uh, yeah, just getting to talk to even not comic book people, regular people who have been reading comic books all their life and kind of dealing with the inadequacies of things. Um, We all know that there's the event fatigue, there's all sorts of reboot fatigue, um, (laughs) but the, 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 for me, the most underwhelming thing was the, the lack of consistent narrative sometimes, um, which is, to me, my favorite thing. Not that writers go in trying to do a poor job, but um, just the fact that they're unwilling to think about the decisions that they want to do, as a po- uh, especially when it comes to Marvel or DC, yeah. history of comic books. Um, I mean, we've got Zack Snyder right now saying how no, no matter oh, what um, he, uh, Batman would be out there killing people. Well, no, he, he wouldn't. Yeah, uh, uh, that, I mean, that, there there are arguments arguments to be made that yes, there might be differences in a in a real world modern Batman, right. you know, as opposed to the comic book Batman. But something that core to the character would not change. Like that's that's one of the things that makes him who he is. But the, I don't even understand that argument because it's. He's not a real world Batman. He is a still. He's still a fictional Batman. That, that is true. Yeah, that is true. There's always the yeah. Why not? I mean, he is fictional. If we're making stuff up, let's right. go crazy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but um, yeah. So it's just those kind of things where the the people who get to be in charge aren't always responsible, mm-hmm. and so um, I definitely wanted to to take the the time to to make sure we weren't undermining ourselves, um, especially because it, it is a tricky thing to do um, a narrative anthology. Um, it's one thing to tell a, nar- a narrative in your own story, but spreading it across multiple people's voices. And we have, I think it's something around 13 writers. I know we have 27 people all together, writers and artists. Oh, wow. Um, but to tell across 13 different stories, um, a narrative that links together and we see various characters show up in different things, it's, it's something that we wanted to take, uh, particular care of. Um, and I'm actually really proud of what we were able to do, um, especially on days or months even when it was a pain trying to get my writers to get me a script and, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. So... I think we we did a pretty cool job, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to have people read it. <clears throat> Sorry, um, you had mentioned before. You know, you said to everybody, kind of, you know, bring three characters. Was there anything that was just like so way out there? Like, no, we we absolutely cannot do this. Um, uh, one of one of the guys. Um, shoot, this was so long ago. Um, <laughs> He he didn't want to have any superpowers for this guy. He just wanted a dude who walked around. It had something to do with waving around a fish. 
<laughs> and okay. it was just like I, I'm I'm not opposed to uh, to stupid humor. Uh, one of our stories um, is very serious, but is centered around one character just uh, who is uh, a deli owner and um, is obsessed with finding the the perfect recipe for, or the the recipe for the perfect sandwich. Um, so there's goofiness, but. It was just like there's there's no reason why why is he just walking around waving a fish or whatever it was I knew it was something to do with the fish but yeah I just vetoed that real quick <laughs> no to the fish man okay fine yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing we one of my writers wanted to bring in magic um, which is a hard thing to do um, yeah, it's one of those things it's basically like a cheat mode in a video game where like you can explain anything oh magic. You know? Yeah, well, not even that. Um, if you do magic well, um, which we would have had to do, you can't do it that way. Because uh, you're right, it's 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 just a cheat. Yeah. You have to set ground rules, um, no matter how basic it is. And it was just the kind of thing where in a 9 to 12 page story, you can't lay the groundwork for a magic system and then also incorporate uh, um, the, the yeah. things we need uh, in our narrative. Yeah, so that the, the story you're trying to tell. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, we have a little bit of magic that's hinted in the universe. Um, that ended up being snuck in by one of my writers, and it was so late in the game, I was like, okay, fine, that's whatever. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I was kind of, it's a superhero series, let's focus more on the superpowers right now, and if we get to tell more stories down the line, I'm open to, to magic. Yeah, let's work on the basics right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, were there any other kind of rules like that, aside from you know, like limiting the magic? Uh, yeah, so one of the things um, that we, we took time to decide on was... One, what we were going to call our supers, um, because just calling them supers is a bit lame. Yeah. Um, and most things have been done, mutants, mutates, um, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm blanking on what DC calls them right now. Metahumans. Metahumans, yeah. right. Duh. Um, it, was, it was a hard thing to do. We realized that we needed two types, the, the natural borns, um, like the mutants, and the mutates that were created. Um, because as we develop our, our story, the government is decided to um, fight back against those who are, are resisting registration and create their own superheroes. And so we created a type of um, mutate that they are able to create in a lab that um, they were governed by very specific laws where they fit into four different categories and um, you were either something like a psychic um, which is only access like psychic powers in lab created people are only accessible if you have a um, are of the female gender. Okay. Um, they have no idea why, but um, that's what that's the only type of um, lab created super that seems to have second powers. Other ones are more animalistic and they kind of get their powers based off of animal traits um, or things like they are able to affect um, matter in some way, whether it's speeding up particles or what have you. So we, we set a certain ground rules just so we weren't creating characters that could do anything. Um, but we still have that ability because people are born and are the supermans of the world that are just, just have the powers. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we, we wanted to make sure, um, nobody was too overpowered. Um, it's, it's essentially the the way I describe it is it's a anthology about super superheroes at their most powerless. So we didn't want to have OP characters. 
Yeah, yeah. Somebody, yeah, just take over the world with a you know, snap of the finger or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the you know current situation of our our world the way it is, um, especially the past two years, <laughs> has it has it been? Um, have you had to like change any? Has any of these stories have had to change? Um, just kind of because of real world events, uh, you know, affecting them. Um. I would say, if anything, we leaned more into as we developed stories and as I reached out to other writers to get involved, we leaned towards um, news uh, headlines Mm. and we wanted to address certain things. I remember very early on, um, I don't remember, I don't think it was Sandy Hook, but um, I'm forgetting the school down in Florida that had the school shooting. Oh, Parkland? Yes, yeah. Parkland. Yeah. Um, it when that happened, it greatly affected me. I got really upset. Um, I used to be a teacher uh, for a short time, mm. and so it just hit me. And I was like, you know what? I want that to be part of our story. I want to show that um, that scary moment. And even though our heroes might um, try and prevent something like that. Even that kind of realist, uh, realistic um, tragedy is something that our universe will deal with. Um, so we, we leaned more towards things like that rather than pulling away. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, in that regard, we try and be very sensitive um, because obviously that it's going to strike a note with somebody. Um, so we're not there for the shock of being realistic. It's more about showing the experience. And, uh, you know, it's a way of addressing the issue. Everybody says, you know, it's not time to talk about this or it's not time to talk about that. Well, right. you know, this is our way of talking about it. If you don't want to talk about it out loud, fine. Then we'll, you know, let, let, let us talk through, you know, art and, and writing. Right. Yeah, there. Um, the fact that there are a lot of LGBT characters, um, there was a lot of hate that we were suddenly experiencing at a new level that kind of seemed to have been going away for a short time. Not that everything was rainbows and puppy dogs, but um, after the most recent election, there was, it was the first time in a while that I felt scared um, for people that I knew and for myself. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And so we wanted to show that, that um, suddenly our lives weren't as, um, as steady as we thought and uh yeah we kind of expressed that a little bit <laughs> excuse me I didn't, I didn't mean to get so serious all of a sudden i <laughs> know that's i i every time i i'm talking about this book it, it, it does sound very serious i have to remind everybody that we do make jokes it's not all... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a dc movie we're not going to be grim for the whole you know two right. hours. yeah, yeah. There, there's heartfelt moments there's um i one of my favorite things is because there's a lot of there are as we know a lot of idiots out in the uh the Twitterverse, <laughs> especially in comic books. And so I like poking fun at people. Um, and uh, one of my favorite things was, as a Star Wars fan, all the people who threw up so much backlash for the last movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I had my problems with it, but I'm a Star Wars fan, so I'm still going to enjoy it. I even it's funny you mentioned that. I saw a thing this morning. I mean, it's still going on as far as like the rose like stuff, you know. Oh, it's ridiculous. I, I this I don't know if it was from like the official Star Wars page, but it was like it looked like a pretty uh, you know, I follow so many of them. It looked like a legit one. Mm-hmm. But it was like a meme of like but it was like a picture of Rose on like it was some cartoon and then it was like her saying you know you guys uh, say something I'm all like you know I'm not I'm like all of you or something and then it was like a picture of like Jar Jar and like Ewoks and Anakin like really are we still like are we, not only are we beating up on Rose but we're beating up on like all these other characters like from from so yeah. long ago like come on like uh, it, uh, it's one of like I keep saying like sorry. It's just one of those things that that just I get so frustrated over you know just stupidity like that. Why? I mean, we have all this. We could be what you know what we could be doing with all our mental energy and all our efforts. This right. is what we as a people are doing. Like, oh man. Yeah, and whether you 
absolutely hated it, whether there were problems that you felt that you would have fixed, it doesn't stop the fact that you can go back and watch Empire Strikes Back and enjoy that. Yeah, that's still going to be there for you to enjoy. Like, Again, this might not be for you. And I, I think that was one of the things that really enraged people about that movie was there was a kind of underlying message of, you know, this might not be for you. Hey, everything old was great. It worked back then. Right. What's happening now might not be your thing. And I think that's just, you know, just one of those things that kind of just pissed people off. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't. But uh, we we poke fun at those those uh, uptight fools on the internet a little bit throughout with uh, little 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 notes um, <laughs> that pop up, um, just making fun of their idiocy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know, trying to steer things towards a lighter, you know, subject. But, um, what were kind of some of the things that got you interested into comics? Was it, you know, was owning, you know, a comic uh, like label something you always wanted to do, or you know, again, was that just something kind of developed later in life? Yeah, that that definitely was um, not something that I ever considered, to be honest. Um, and it is very new, and not sure exactly what's going to happen with it, but it's kind of exciting to see things happen. Mm. Um, what got me into comics was. I, to be honest, was very late to comics. I always loved the cartoons, so I was one of those fake nerds who only watched cartoons for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I loved Batman animated series. I loved the X-Men cartoon, uh, all that. And so it wasn't until probably late high school, early college, where I started reading some Um but uh, I could never find the local comic book sh- uh, store in my town because I moved at some point and their Google um, hit didn't update the address. So <laughs> I could never find it. And I was stuck with just reading things that I could get from Borders or Barnes & Noble. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I, I was lucky in that respect that I always had like a local, like, yeah. I had actually multiple local comic shops. Um <laughs> Yes, I, wow, I'm very fortunate that way. I never kind of thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, eventually, I, I, I finally found my local comic shop. Uh, <laughs> I, <got and> you. <laughs> I dove in um, headfirst, and I was buying something like 60 titles a week. It was insane. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I am nowhere near that anymore. Yeah, I remember those days, like, walking to the comic shop, and it's like, okay, here's your pile of comics. Like, fuck, you know? Uh, It was, I don't know what I was thinking with my (laughs) wallet then. But, um... I need to read every X book for some reason. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Every Bat Family book. Yeah. Uh, Um, but, so, yeah, I, I... Dived headfirst. Um, I went to school for education, like I said, and shortly learned uh, after finishing that it really was not for me. Um, And so thinking about what I wanted to do, I wasn't going to waste more money into another thing that was a kind of safe bet that I could just get by with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what, I've loved comic books. I want to work in comic books. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but uh, I applied to Pace University here in New York um, because they had a publishing uh, master's that had a comic book course that was taught by Paul Levitz. Um, And... I mean, why not learn from the man who ran DC Comics for a decade or more? Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of the the start. I uh, I remember in one of the first classes that I had with him because, of course, I took him the very first semester. Um, <laughs> he said, "If you want to work in comic books, um, most publishers are going to look." at your resume and be friendlier to the people who have worked in a comic book store. So I applied to Midtown Comics. And um, then through my program, I needed an internship. And I, there are two, yeah, just two uh, 
publishers still in New York, uh, one being Marvel, um, who did not hire me for their internship. So that was a bummer. Um, but uh, the other one was Valiant. And I got to work with them, like I said, for 10 months and fell in love with their stuff. Um, what I think Valiant does really cool is they have that universe that is well thought out. Um, they get to create new things, which is awesome, which they're doing right now that I'm really excited about. Yeah. But uh, they weren't Marvel or DC where they were doing that reboot thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. They, they just, we're going to keep telling our stories. Like, we don't yeah. need to do all these you know fancy events and... Right. $10 comics with chromium cover, you know, covers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They did a little bit of that. They do. They, there was the, uh, shoot, the geomancer legend of the geomancer, which was a incentive only. And if I remember correctly, I think midtown was selling it for a hundred dollars a pop. So not a lot of people read that one, yeah. but, um, <laughs> they did promise that that was going to be the only time they ever did that. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot of just how to respect a universe from them. Um, getting to see how things developed and grew. Um, I mean, the fact that Ninjak comes out of the second volume of Exo Manowar before he gets his own title, and just seeing how things grow. Um, yeah, was, a lot of times people put the, you know, kind of the, as they say, you know, the horse before the cart or whatever, like, right. they're plotting out their sequels before they've actually established the, you know, the base thing that they're, that you're trying to get made. Yeah, which, um, for anybody who doesn't, maybe not, who doesn't know a lot about Valiant, the, the cool thing about that was, I think it was 2007 is when Dinesh and a few other people bought the rights to the Valiant universe. Um, they didn't publish a book until 2012. They took five years to set up one a company, but also just to get together and brainstorm with creators that they wanted to um, get involved and who had something to say. And so I took a lot of what I learned and respected from that company into what we did with this project because we wanted to make sure everything was set and uh, I, I think that's what they did, which is why early on, even though they were not new necessarily, but they were a new company um, because they were coming at all their characters from a fresh take. Yeah. Um, they did so well early on as far as being a, a small publisher. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all. I mean, establishing that bedrock is, is so much, is, is what makes the difference between, you know, a good you know, piece of art and, you know, writing and uh, just a terrible one. Yeah. You know, not even necessarily terrible, but like a hollow one. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I keep kind of, I always, I'm notorious for ragging on DC. But to me, it's the it's the difference between a Marvel movie and a DC movie. Yes. You know, Marvel movies clearly, like Kevin Feige or, you know, somebody in, uh, in you know, up, you know, one of the higher ups decided we need this established universe, you know, we'll, we'll kind of spring the stories from there. Whereas DC was like, holy crap, we need to set everything up now. We need to plot out, you know, like I said, we need to plot out the sequel to this. We need to plot out, you know, which characters we're going to do. No, establish the core and then build out from there. That's how you build a universe. That's how you, you know, you, you just, it's one of those things you cannot cut the corners on because it just won't work as, you know, kind of evidenced by, you know, the DC movies. Like they finally turned it around, but only by kind of abandoning that original concept of, you know, we're just going to, you know, kind of shortcut our way to a, to a universe. Right. Yeah. Which it seems like they're completely giving up. I keep hearing conflicting views on what's going to happen over there of, are they completely giving up on the universe they, cr they created? Are they going to hold on to some things, which I don't, I don't know, to be honest, if I care anymore. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman's great. Like the, you know, let's yep. keep her, Ben Affleck as Batman, like, I, I honestly, I was one of those people, like, when it was first announced, like, oh, are you kidding me, Batfleck? Honestly, right. he didn't do a bad job. I thought he was a pretty decent Batman. Um, I, I, I don't disagree. I also, though, at the same time, didn't love him either. See, I thought he was a good Batman, but a shitty Bruce Wayne. 
Sure. Yeah, because he was pretty much just the same character, like, you know, kind of whenever whenever he was playing either one. Right. You know, Bruce Wayne should be, like, the dumb kind of airhead, you know, male bimbo, like, right. you know, just, hey, I'm out here for the girls, and uh, I'm rich, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But he was just, like, a, you know, just a, a grim, dour, like, he was Batman just without the mask on. Right. Yeah. He could have maybe have done a, a good Batman Beyond Bruce Wayne, where he was playing that point of his life. Yeah, yeah that I can understand at that point, him being a little bit more, you know, right. down. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, be, be, you know, we can have fun with this. And yeah. I was going to say, you know, Henry Cavill, I, I honestly, I really liked him as Superman. But like, I, I agree. Yeah, some of the other, like, Suicide Squad was like, to me, that was one of those movies, it was like Phantom Menace. When I first saw Phantom Menace, like coming out of the theater, like that was good, right? That was we really like that, right? Like that was awesome. And I, I feel the same way about Suicide Squad. Like, it ends on a good note, and so you forget about all the terrible stuff at the end. <laughs> the Darth Maul fight scene is good. It's yeah. the only thing about Phantom Menace. Yeah, just forget the first like hour and a half before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree about. Well, no, actually, I left Suicide Squad thinking oh, that was awful. <laughs> uh, and I have not watched it since to even change my mind on it. Uh, um, but that one, I think, really had the problem of being hollow. There was no explanation for the narrative. There was no reason for some of the leaps that happened throughout it. And it just, yeah, it, it just, it was a lot of it was just completely senseless. Like there was too much flash. Yeah, it just okay. Action, action, action. Joke, joke, joke. Action, action, joke. Like yeah. I think that was just me dropping think, my phone. <laughs> I think the the problem. I mean, maybe this is me oversimplifying and just talking from a place that I don't know. But uh, I think it comes from at least Disney. Disney stands behind creators. Um, I mean, they not they don't have a history of screwing people over. But, um, they are at least run um with a creative mindset um, yeah there's a little bit more leeway a little bit more of a you know slack on the leash i guess right whereas warner brothers are thinking more of as just a, a business and aren't thinking creatively all the time and they're used to just big flashy michael bay like movies that do well enough in the theater yeah and so they they don't take the time to understand why something that isn't that works yeah, I honestly feel like with the with like the Warner Brothers DC movies, like a lot of the decisions were made by this just you know stereotypical kind of fat white guy smoking a cigar behind a desk. You know, yeah. we made Superman, we made you know Michael Keaton Batman. We know how to make comic book movies, and like you know that just isn't cutting it anymore. You know, people want more than that, something a little bit deeper. Um, but they were still kind of making those movies when they first started out with the DC movies. I feel. Yeah, I mean, even going back to the new uh, interview with Zack Snyder, where he's telling everybody uh, that Batman should kill everybody. Um, at some point, he he uh, compares his movies to Watchmen as a comic book, and says how they did what Watchmen did uh, for comic books. They did for superhero movies. Oh man! And, <laughs> no, first off. You as a creator should never compare yourself to what is arguably one of the better graphic novels as far as superheroes go. Yeah, I mean, as far as comics go, it's comic literature. Like, Right. <laughs> but secondly, you, you didn't do that. Watchmen was breaking down the what superheroes did and was stepping away from the stereotypes and the archetypes um, while using them, but still making a comment about it. Whereas your movies are just terribly flashy, cheesy superhero movies. Yeah, you basically put them in a monster truck and you know, called right. it groundbreaking. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so yeah. very hot, yeah. as you said. Zach, Zach, Zach. Uh, I, oh, I'm not even gonna. Yeah, like I just feel like we're getting diminishing returns on him. Like, I know. I, I really, really loved uh, Dawn of the Dead. Like I, I'm such a fan of the original one, and you know, remakes aren't always great. I, I, I thought that was a great remake. Yeah. You know, and then we got Sucker Punch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Zach. Come on. I know. I, I will get flack for this, but. 
I can still enjoy the Watchmen movie. Yeah, I, I, I like that movie. It's it's not perfect by any means, but I think he did as well as anybody could have done in a movie setting for that book. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, there like it's very clear as we learn more about his style that somebody else could have done something a little bit closer to um, the ethos behind. The, the book, but as far as making an interesting movie, I think he did not terribly. Um, and I also think that his ending makes a lot more sense than the book. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> the no giant uh, vagina monster, yeah. Yeah, making it this weird alien thing rather than blaming it on Dr. Manhattan makes no sense. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, Alan Moore. <laughs> um, um I, uh, I was gonna say I'll go a step further, and I will I will defend Man of Steel. I, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, not great, but I thought it was you know yes. a really good start, a really good start for like the DC universe. And man, it's been going down. I, I, although I will say the last couple of movies have been pretty good. I I didn't see Aquaman. Um, it came out in the lead up of I was working two jobs and getting ready for this Kickstarter. Uh, okay, yeah. So I had no time whatsoever. Um, but I had heard good things. Yeah, uh, I, I, I will say I enjoyed that movie, and as someone who really hated Aqua Bro in the uh, in the Justice League movie. Yeah, I know. They, uh, I think they really kind of, kind of you know, sanded off the edges of that character a little bit and made him less broy. Um, sure. And I mean. First and foremost, the movie is a spectacle. I mean, everything is just beautiful looking, and, and it's great. But it actually, you know, it is a, a decent movie, especially compared to some of the other ones we've got. And I, I, I we just saw Shazam the other day too. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, and I will give that a thumbs up. It's a good movie. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah Shazam's one of my favorite um, DC characters, so I am very excited to see it and. And glad that it's getting good reviews. Yeah, uh, you know, without being you know spoilery, it's it's very light. It's what you would expect from like you know a movie about a kid who gets superpowers, right? Um, and it's very family focused too, which is like something I kind of wasn't expecting. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think that this is the first step of them kind of realizing that oh maybe we should stop trying to make a Christopher Nolan movie. Let's stop making movies that are basically nineties comics. <laughs> like, really? like yeah. 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 Let's let's freshen up our takes and do something a little different. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. um where can uh you know, you've got the Kickstarter starter campaign. Um let's let's direct people where where can they go to learn more about uh, uh about, about the project? Yeah, so I mean simplest way is just to go to Kickstarter and search masked prejudice. Um it should come up. Uh, otherwise, you can find the link on all of my social media, which is Twitter and Instagram, Jason A. Conover. Um, and just read through some of my more recent tweets because I talk about the whole process and show some of our fantastic artists' um, sketch designs and pages. And we've got some really talented people. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for talking with us. Yeah, of course. Uh, this has been Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I am Seamart. Uh, and once again, thank you, uh, Jason Conover, for, uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me.